the responsibility of leadership. The history of Israel and Judah points up a truth taught clearly enough by all history views that the masses are or soon will be what their leaders are. The king set the moral pace for the people. The public is never capable of acting en masse. Without a leader, it is headless and a headless body is powerless. Always someone must lead. Even the mob engaged in pillage and murder is not the disorganized thing it appears to be. Somewhere behind the violence is a leader whose ideas it is simply putting to effect. Israel sometimes rebelled against her leaders, it is true, but the rebellions were not spontaneous. The people merely switched to a new leader and followed him. The point is, they always had to have a leader. Whatever sort of man the king turned out to be, the people were soon following in his leadership. They followed David in the worship of Jehovah, Solomon in the building of the temple, Jeroboam in the making of a calf, and Hezekiah in the restoration of the temple worship. It is not complimentary to the masses that they are so easily led, but we are not interested in praising or blaming. We're concerned for truth, and the truth is that for better or for worse, religious people follow leaders. A good man may change the moral complexion of a whole nation, or a corrupt and worldly clergy may lead a nation into bondage. The transposed proverb, like the priest, like the people, sums up in four words a truth taught plainly in the scriptures and demonstrated again and again in religious history. Today, Christianity in the Western world is what its leaders were in the recent past and is becoming what its present leaders are. The local church soon becomes like its pastor, and this is even true of those groups who do not believe in pastors. The true pastor of such a group is not hard to identify. He is usually the one who can present the strongest argument against any church having a pastor. The strong-minded leader of the local group who succeeds in influencing the flock through Bible teaching or frequent impromptu talks in the public gatherings is the pastor, no matter how earnestly he may deny it. The poor condition of the churches today may be traced straight to their leaders. When, as sometimes happens, the members of a local church rise up and turn their pastor out for preaching the truth, they are still following a leader. Behind their act is sure to be found a colonel, nothing well to do, deacon or elder, who usurps the right to determine who the pastor shall be and what he shall say twice each Sunday. In such cases, the pastor is unable to lead the flock. He merely works for the leader. A pitiful situation indeed. A number of factors contribute to bad spiritual leadership. Here are a few. Number one, fear. The wish to be liked and admired is strong, even among the clergy. So rather than risk public disapproval, the pastor is tempted simply to sit on his hands and smile ingratiatingly at the people. The fear of men bringeth the snare, says the Holy Spirit, and nowhere more than in the ministry. Two, economic squeeze. The Protestant ministry is notoriously underpaid and the pastor's family is often large. Put these two facts together and you have a situation ready-made to bring trouble and temptation to the man of God. The ability of the crown creation to turn off the flow of money to the church when the man of pulpit gets on their toes is well known. The average pastor lives from year to year, barely making ends meet. To give vigorous moral leadership to the church is often to invite economic strangulation. So such leadership is withheld. But the evil thing is that leadership withheld is, in fact, a kind of inverted leadership. The man who will not lead his flock up the mountainside leads it down without knowing it. Ambition. Number three. When Christ is not on all in the minister, he is tempted to seek a place for himself. And pleasing the crowds is a time-proved way to get on in church circles. Instead of leading his people where they ought to go, he skillfully leads them where he knows they want to go. In this way, he gives the appearance of being a bold leader of men, but avoids offending anyone, and thus assures ecclesiastical preferment where the church is big or high office is open. 
Number four, intellectual pride. Unfortunately, there is in religious circles a cult of intelligentsia, which in my opinion is merely beatnikism turned wrong side out. As the beatnik, in spite of his loud protestations of individualism, it is in reality one of the most slavish form of conformists. So the young intellectual in the pulpit shakes his carefully polished Oxfords, lest he be guilty of seeing something trite or common. The people look to him to lead them into green pastures, but instead he leads them to a sandy desert. Number five, absence of true spiritual experience. No one can lead another further than himself has gone. For many minister, this explains their failure to lead. They simply do not know where to go. Number six, inadequate preparation. Churches are clustered with religious amateurs culturally unfit to minister at the altar, and people suffer as a consequence. They are led astray and not aware of it. Their words of godly leadership are so great, and the responsibilities of the leader so heavy that no one can afford to take matters lightly.